0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Went to Mo Kings Meadow, the podcast that talks exclusively about the Chelsea FC women's team. I'm your host, Dean, and on this week's show, in part one, we review Chelsea's record-breaking win over Aston Villa and then Tottenham Hotspur in the WSL. In part two, we round up the latest news from Kings Meadow and talk about all the transfer news from the January transfer window. In part three, we look ahead to our next fixtures against West Ham United in the Conti Cup semi-final and Brighton Hove Albion in the league. And in part four, we've got your emails. This is episode 11 of Went to Moe King's Meadow entitled Record Breakers. Now before we get started we still need your help to spread the word about this podcast so if you enjoy what you hear tag us in a tweet, share us on Instagram or how about leaving a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts because it helps support us find the show and we would really appreciate your support. Uh, Joining me this week as ever is my wonderful co-host Jane. Jane how are you doing this week?
1: I'm doing good thank you, looking forward to talking about the upcoming games this week.
0: Yeah, and good to talk about 4-0 wins back-to-back, that's always good as well. Yeah. Um, Also joining us this week, uh, first appearance on the show is the lovely Louise Bradshaw. Louise, how are you?
2: Hi, everyone. I'm fine, thank you.
0: (laughs) Good to hear. Um, Now, Louise, we always let our guests talk about how they started supporting Chelsea and following the women's team, um, their memorable moments, favourite players, etc. So, um, I'll pass the mic on to you, so to speak, and... uh, let the listeners know how you got into supporting the team.
2: Uh, well, we're going back good seven years now, but um, I used to support Millie Bright at uh, Doncaster Bells. I've always been a Chelsea uh, women's supporter, but I first got back into watching when Millie and Beth were both at Dolly Bells. Um, so, hasten to add that Millie is my favourite player and still is. Um but I started going to the games at Staines uh, originally back in 2014. Um, and I met my long-term friend now, I can call her that. She'll probably laugh, Kerry. Um, and we became friends and um, we've traveled all over the place together. Um, we've, you know, been all over the country. We've went to the euros together. Um, and yes, we've had some funny stories to tell, um, you know, getting lost, not having money for the train when we were in Holland and, um, Kerry putting the heater on in our room when we went to pre-season, um, in, uh, 20, 2019, she put the heater on in our room and couldn't turn it off and it was already 36 degrees. So hasten to add, we were sweating, <laughs> but, um. We've had some really good times and, you know, FA Cup finals and, you know, highlight for me was still the Conti Cup. Um, that was the last match that, you know, we went to um, hold a little place in my heart that just because we hadn't won it before. Um, but yeah, Millie is still my favourite player, although I have a real soft spot for Erin Cuthbert too, little speedy queen. I call her the... Scottish warrior um and yeah we I've been yeah supported seven years now going strong and just can't wait to be back with my favourite people my second family doing watching what I love so there you go
0: yeah lots of um lovely memories I suppose and I've only been following the women's team for a short while but you know I'm really attached to the team now and you know it's such a refreshing change from what I deal with with the men's team and how that sort of the fan base is at the moment for the men's team. So, you know, having this podcast and being part of that community with the women's team is, is great for me. You know, I sort of, I love it. And I can't wait to get to Kings Meadow, hopefully this year. Um, not had much luck though, but we'll see. Um, let's get into the match reviews then. We'll start with last Wednesday's game against Aston Villa. Um Chelsea obviously looking to go to 32 unbeaten and break the WSL record. Uh, Jane, give us the final information from that game.
1: Um, So Chelsea lined up this one in a 4-2-3-1 formation. We had Carly Telford in goal, the defence of Maren Mielder, Millie Bright, Magda Eriksson and Neve Charles. Sophie Ingle partnered Jesse Fleming in midfield with Sam Kerr, Penila Harder and Guru Wright and supporting Bethany England up front. Emma Hayes used all three available substitutes, with Drew Spence replacing Hardart in the 73rd minute, and Georgia Fox and Aggie Beaver Jones replacing Charles and Wrighton in the 84th minute. This left Berger, Anderson, Leopold's G, and Kirby as the unused substitutes. Stats-wise, Chelsea had 72% possession, 16 shots, five on target, target 12 corners, eight fouls, and one yellow card. That was compared to Aston Villa's 28% session, two shots, one shot on target, one corner, six fouls and one yellow card.
0: Yeah, let's sort of dive straight into the action then because it, it didn't take Chelsea long to break down Aston Villa. Um, the opener coming after just four minutes. Uh, Neem Charles stepping in at left back, putting a floating cross into the box. Villa cleared only as far as Sam Kerr the edge of the box and she absolutely rifled it into the top of the goal. Um, Jane, do you remember last week when we discussed her having a finishing problem? Didn't seem that... It- um against the villa did it
1: no we've said like before obviously she's had a few games where she's had them opportunities and she's not been able to get, like net them home but like i've said a few times you've just got to give her the chances and she will eventually get them in
0: yeah absolutely um another issue so to speak that we discussed last week was bethany england getting back on the score sheet um she almost did when she called a left-footed shot onto the crossbar um, from just outside the box she did get her goal, though, a few minutes later. She rose highest to head home from Kers Cross. Um, that's a reminder of how good Beth is, isn't it, Louise?
2: Yeah, I think you should never forget quite how talented she is. You know, without her the previous season, you know, we wouldn't have been where we were. that That's the honest truth. You know, I feel like the bum was back and so was she. You know, that would make people laugh, but that's how I felt. You know, she looked like a different player when she came out in that game, more hungry for it than she'd been in the previous game she'd come on, Um, looked more back to herself and, you know, looked like she's back to her best. And I think there's more to come there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jane, another thing we spoke about in the preview to the game was Aston Villa allowing space on the edge of their box. And that really showed in the build-up to that goal because Jesse Fleming had loads of time to pick out um, Kerr for the cross to put in. Um, But Fleming was someone that really caught the eye. What did you make of her performance?
1: I think she had a really good game last week. We've not seen loads of her, but what we have seen of her has shown that she is a quality player and she's she's got so much potential in her in the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, shame she has to um, miss some games, but... I think she's going to play a big part up till the time she leaves. Um, The theme of space continued in the second half. Uh, Peniel Harder firing just wider. Then moments later, a corner was poorly cleared. Wrighton was able to see up Harder on the edge of the box and she hit a a sweet strike into the bottom corner. Louise, I'd say it's criminal to allow players of our quality that we've got to have that much space on the edge of the box, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean, especially Peniel, because she reads the game so well and... I felt there was a little bit of goalkeeping error there too, but still you can't take it away from her. She reads it well. She gains space. She had time to turn. It it was just a well-struck goal, but it could have been saved. It was, It was a bit of a goalkeeping error, but you still can't take it away from her. She's class, whatever way you look at it.
0: Yeah, and She's had a little bit of, not criticism, but people maybe expected more from her. So to get a goal for her, a bit of a monkey off her back and she can um, carry on her form. Uh, speaking of goalkeeping errors, I'd say the fourth goal definitely was you know, right and with the assist from a free kick. She put the ball into a dangerous position, but I think the goalkeeper should come and get it. But she didn't. Magda did, sliding in for the goal. Um, Jade, it's important that despite the attacking players we've got, that we get goals from all over the pitch in this team.
1: I think it is really good that all players have the opportunities to shoot. Obviously, like Magda isn't one we normally get to see score. And like the likes of Sophie as well, we don't see her scoring very regularly. So, it is nice to see a wide range of any opportunity.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You no know, no matter who you mark, there's going to be someone left unmarked that can, can hurt you, I suppose. Um, one player I want to mention in this game is Carly Telford stepping in for, for Berger in goal. Um She's probably had games where she had been more busy on the bench. Um, like she was against Tottenham filmed, being very busy with some rice cakes. Um, she had one big save to make at the end and she did just that. Um, Louise, it's a blessing to have such quality in the squad where you can rest your goalkeeper and bring in a goalkeeper that probably would play in most teams in this league.
2: Yeah, I mean, she's always been solid, you know, all goalkeepers have off days, but in general, Carly's always been a solid backup, and she has made some great saves when she's had to. Um, you know, we normally see her in sort of, you know, cup games or you know rounds, but she's always been consistent. Um, you know, it's nice. You know, we've signed another goalkeeper. Been nice to you know see the youngsters. You know, and and see them get a chance too, but yeah, Carly's always been solid, you know, I feel like maybe, you know, she's coming to the end of her reign, but she will, you know, always be a solid player, and, you know, that's shown by the fact that she's been selected so many times, you know, for, for a country, so, you know, I think that, you know, we were lucky that she came to us, really, and, and just, you know, fills that gap perfectly, and, you know, Burgers had a, a, you know, a few knocks, and, She's, you know, kept us in lots of things and it always seems to pull it out of the bag when you least expect it.
0: Yeah, I always say the mark of a great goalkeeper is having nothing to do then still being able to make the save right at the end and she did that. And, you know, brilliant for Emma to be able to rely on you know, a player of that quality. Um, swapping back to sort of younger players, uh, a momentous occasion for Agnes Beaver-Jones and Georgia Fox making their first team debuts. Um, Jane, it's great to see Academy players getting the opportunities in this team, especially because of the level of players that they're having to compete against, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's really good. Like last season, we saw the likes of Emily Murphy coming through and getting her debut for the first team. So it is nice that we've got the opportunity to play the players in the youth team. Obviously, their league's been put on hold. so They're not getting the play time in their own team. And where we've had a couple of players out injured, it's given them the opportunity to get that first team call up.
0: Yeah, and they haven't looked out of place either when they step up. Sometimes you worry that they're going to look a bit like a deer in the headlights, but they look like they're ready to play, um, which is fantastic. Um, That was the game 4-0, a professional performance from Chelsea. Turned up, got the job done. Um, It really sums up this team sort of heading towards a new record. They're totally unfazed by it. Didn't show any signs of nerves or worry ahead of the game. Straight in, get in, get out, move on. And that all comes from from Emma Hayes. Uh, Jane, 32 consecutive games unbeaten a remarkable achievement, I think, deserves to be celebrated. Um, so what was your thoughts and feelings as full-time went and we had that record?
1: I think it was good. To, like, Obviously, we tried to, when the um, Barclays WSL tweeted the previous teams that have tried to break the record. And obviously, we've tried before. I think it was back in 2017. And we only got about 26 games. So to go that one step beyond and obviously get the new record and to beat Man City with it as well, Is always a plus side.
0: Yeah, Louise. What were your sort of thoughts and feelings as as full time went against Aston Villa?
2: I felt that we showed just, you know, how strong we are, and that it's not just a, you know, a fluke that we are where we are. You know, we've had two phenomenal seasons, you know, and we're heading to the end of this second season looking. And showing exactly what we've got, which is strength and depth in in you know mounds because it's it doesn't matter who's on the pitch, the strength of who's on the bench is is so high that I I just feel like everything's coming together. You know the new players that came in last season, um, you know the link up between like Kirby and Kerr. You know, even Beth and Sam. Um, just seeing Fran back out there is amazing. Showing exactly why she has earned her spot and hopefully new ca- contract, and she stays with us. But there's never a dull moment, and I just I just look forward to seeing those moments of brilliance. And yeah, I'm never disappointed. Never disappointed.
0: Yeah, a fantastic team. And I liked it. It was exactly two years from the defeat to Birmingham, the 3-2 defeat. I like that sort of how that worked out that we beat it on the same day that we last lost the game. Obviously, we've been on episode 11 now, Jane. We've yet to talk about a defeat. Um, long may that continue. If we never have to talk about defeat, I'll be happy. Um, we've got a quote from Emma Hayes. I'll leave the last word to, to this on her. So She says, I didn't think about it prior to the game because it's not a trophy, but it's a record that shows just how consistent this team has been in the last couple of years. There's a reason we've been the champions and not just because of that record, but because of the consistency levels in the performances. And that's what happens when you've got such a great group of people. I represent a fantastic team who are all deserving. They put a shift in, they work hard and I'm very proud of all of them and everybody that works at the football club. What I've learned is nothing is achieved overnight, but you need the setbacks. The setbacks are what serve as reminders of future reference of what not to do in your next moment. I'm an experienced manager and I'm experienced manager because of all those failures, because of all those setbacks, not because of all the wins. The group is growing with me. It's not like I'm here alone. I have a group of players that some of us have been together for years and that collective wisdom is why we have more experience than most teams. I'm always afraid of the youthful endeavour of our rivals because I know how important ambition, energy and drive is to winning but what we're learning is that to be consistent winners you need to have consistent behaviours daily. It sounds like I'm ungrateful, I know it's a big achievement but I've learned that with the highs and lows with the winning and losing you have to remove all the emotion from that. You have to con- constantly remind yourself of the daily processes to go through to get a win not subsequent wins. My consciousness is always about being not being complacent, about making the team uncomfortable about demanding higher standards every time. I've been able to achieve that because I've got brilliant staff around me to help keep those standards high. And I know the threats are bigger than they've ever been in the women's game. But I also know the quality that we've got to. And just like Emma, we're going to move straight on. You know, we've got the record, but it's not a trophy. So let's go on to Tottenham Hotspur. 4 0 win again. Jane, tell us what we need to know about that game.
1: So Chelsea lined up for this one in a 4-2-3-1 formation. We had Anne Katchenberger in goal, Maren Mielder, Millie Bright, Magda Eriksson and Yonah Anderson in defence. Melanie Luopos was partnered by G in midfield and Fran Kirby, Panil Harder and Guru right and supported Sam Kerr up front. Emma Hayes made full use for available substitutions with Hannah Blundell replacing Mielder at half-time. Jesse Fleming and Bethany England came on for Kirby and Kerr on the hour mark. And then... Um, in the f- 75th minute, Drew Spencer placed Hardart and Sophie Ingle came on for Bright. That left Carly Telford, Georgia Fox, Agg- Aggie Beaver-Jones as the unused subs. Stats-wise, Chelsea had 68%, 68% possession, 16 shots, 5 on target, 5 corners, 5 fouls, no cards, 88% pass accuracy compared with Tottenham's 32% possession, six shots, two on target, corners, five fouls, no cards, and 70% pass accuracy.
0: Let's get into the action then. Chelsea did start brightly, a couple of early chances for Kerr, who perhaps needed just a bit more composure. She snatched a bit of her chances early on. Um, Jane, in the preview to this game, we spoke about Spurs matching up formations, but but they didn't. They went 4-4-2 and really took the game to us. Were you surprised at that?
1: I was quite surprised and I was surprised how the game started. I was—I said to like my mum, I was like, we would be lucky if we can actually get a goal this first half, the way Spurs was playing and the way we was playing. I was quite shocked at the score in the end as well.
0: Yeah, not many teams come to Kings Meadow and put two strikers up front and really have a go at us. You know, we do get that away from home, definitely, but not many teams and it was very brave by Tottenham. Um, Louise, I tend to worry when it's... Melanie Poles and G in the midfield too, because I feel like you can get rounders quite easily because G's much more forward-thinking. Um, at times, I said you could have parked a bus between the pair of them in that midfield in that opening 20 minutes. What do you sort of make of the midfield duo and, and the balance in the team?
2: I think they're finding their feet in that partnership. I felt the same and I felt Spurs in that 20, you know, first 20 minutes used the space They were going through the middle and out wide, and it caused us massive problems. You know, in the first 20 minutes, I felt the same as Jane. I felt like this was either going to be a very tight game. We weren't marking as we should, you know, we weren't in the right positions. G kept coming forward, and then they were coming through the middle and using the space wide. It took quite a long time for them to sort of move into the right areas. And, and sort of get it together um, but obviously when they did it it really started to come together and the passing was great but in that first 20 minutes I was uh, you know myself and probably others were a little bit shocked at just how much space Tottenham were taking from us and, and, and how much possession they held in that first 20 minutes compared to us um, you know and it sent our defence all over the place and yeah, we we seemed a bit, you know, muddled and trying to catch up with the game.
0: Yeah, I think perhaps as we discussed, Jane, they're a bit surprised maybe that Spurs set up the way they did and, and were going at them the way they were. Um, Spurs did have a couple of good chances, um, and we spoke about Berger quite a bit recently. Um, some of her weaknesses and tendencies to be sort of poor on the ball, but. She showed her class with that save uh, from Graham, didn't she, tipping it onto the post?
1: I think, like you said, we have spoke about Berger in the past. And, yes, yeah, she does sometimes make like mistakes in games. And to be fair, all goalkeepers will. But she is always there when we need her. Like The save she made from Graham was beautiful.
0: Yeah, a, f- a fantastic stop worth mentioning. Um, so we sort of spoke about that opening 20 minutes from Tottenham. Um Chelsea sort of started to get back into the game, a link up with Kerr right, and Kirby ended up with Kirby shooting into the side netting. Um, but the goal did come in the 26th minute. Many Liverpools picking up the ball, driving through that Spurs midfield and unleashed a rocket of a shot into the far corner. Um, Louise, a fantastic goal, but also the goalkeeper wouldn't have been happy conceding that. She didn't even get to dive because she was so muddled up with her feet.
2: Yeah, she, you could see the confusion. And then the realisation, without any time left to to get there, but you can't take it away from Melanie. You know, loopholes. That was a cracking shot. Um, you know, a great pass to her. She had time to set it up, and you know, as goals go, you take that any day of the week. It was crack, a real cracking shot. Um, but yeah, I did feel, you know, there was a little pang for the goalie there. She just was like, by the time she realised it was coming, it was too late. Yeah,
0: there's a great angle from behind the goal they showed afterwards. And you see the swerve on the ball probably caught her out as well. Um, that obviously affected her, Jane, because, you know, just a couple of minutes later, that lead became 2 0. Um, the Spurs keeper playing a simple pass, but overhitting it straight to Kirby. She ran into the box and teed up harder and made it 2-0, a slight deflection off the defender on the line. You just can't afford to slip up like that in the games against us, can you?
1: No, I think it was... In some ways, I do feel sorry for her. It was her debut for Spurs. And I know I don't think many keepers would want their debut against a team like Chelsea. So it was gutting for her to have her debut and just the score just went how it was but it's just when you're playing a big team like this, you've just got to be so like with it and concentrate all the time, because you just don't know what will happen.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, in the 37th minute, it was game over really. Um, Kerr made it three nil. Um, I think it was G that released harder down the left with a beautiful pass. And she had so much space and time to um, sort of precision pass to Kerr in the middle. And she was free from a few yards out to head home. And, um, Louise, we had been under the cosh for most of that first half, but we sort of just blew Tottenham out of the water, didn't we?
2: Yeah, in the end, after that first 20 minutes, everyone seemed to, you know, you could hear Emma, you know, shouting and and calling people back to where they should be and and to communicate, and it, it finally came together. We were getting the space, the passing was accurate, Um, They were talking to each other. They were thinking about what they were doing. And in the end, you know, the the pass that came in from Harder to Kerr was such a great pass. And you could see, it was nice to see Kerr. I really felt that she didn't think about that. That goal was purely instinct. And, you know, it was so accurate, such an accurate header. It was just, you know, there was no doubt that was going in the back of the net. And, and after that second goal, you know, I, well, after the goals, it just felt like we just stepped up a gear and, and yeah, we showed really what class is. Um,
0: yeah, great point about Kerr, actually. I think you know, that first, the, or the second chart she had early on where she took it early to try to chip the goalkeeper, it's almost like she's overthinking what she's doing, where she could have taken the touch and then shot with this one. She just had to put her head to it. That was it. No messing around, you know, straight in. Um, that really did kill the game. And the second half sort of became a formality. You know, Spurs stopped pressing and, and Chelsea just passed the ball about for fun. Um, Jamie, we spoke earlier about the risk of uh, G and Leopolds in that midfield too, but when teams hit off us, it's a fantastic partnership and it really showed the best of what they do together, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think the second half, you definitely saw G and Leopold work better together, just where Spurs had like backed off a little bit. But it was a they had a lot better performance in the second half than the first half.
0: Yeah, and Louise, I suppose it helps the balance of the team when you've got, you know, G a bit deeper and Panel sort of higher up in the middle, both excellent playmakers and it enables the fluidity of the team to move much quicker. So, you know, having teams hit off us really helps us, doesn't it?
2: Yeah. Obviously, when they make that mistake of, you know, taking that step off, you know, and taking that, you know, coming away from us, and then we have that space. G being that bit further back, it just, it opened up so so much, you know, space and, and great passing. You know, there was such a, a step up in um, the build up and the, the passing between us and, and like I say, it was just like we shifted gear. It, it clicked and we finally found, you know, what was working. And we carried on doing that for the rest of the game. And there was, you know, no doubt that we overshadowed Spurs and just make them look average at the end of the day. Then it, it, we showed what Chelsea's about. And there was such depth there that, you know, you were wondering who was going to come next, not, you know, it wasn't a case of, you know, it could have been anybody because it was, you know, everyone suddenly had got, you know, they just knew what they were doing and it, it just all came together.
0: Yeah, I suppose the the golfing class is getting smaller, I think, between the top teams and everybody else, but there is still a golfing class and that really showed. Um, the fourth and final goal came in the 62nd minute. Uh, Bethany England's cross struck a defender's arm. Uh, Menly Leopold stepped up, sent the goalkeeper the wrong way. Um, Jane, the German's in great form, isn't she?
1: I think she's in brilliant form at the minute. Obviously, she's been getting a couple of goals. She's been getting like assists. And I think this is the best we've seen her all season. She obviously stepped up to the penalty spot and scored. And she's had goals in previous games. And I think it's good that she's been able to start just to show what good form she's on.
0: Yeah, Louise Emma said that Melanie's underrated, so we want to give everybody the chance to big her up. So what do you make of her uh, recent performances?
2: Yeah, I've been impressed. You know, initially, I think it's always hard. You know, as Sam said in interview two, you know, you come into a team with such, you know, presidents and, and with such great players and you, you have to find your, your space, your time and she's been doing well in training looking back at you know what's been shown publicly and you know she's finding her partnerships she's you know settled within the team and I think once you become comfortable and start playing your own game you start finding your feet same as Kerr has you know sometimes she does overthink things but I think you know mentally has taken chances when she's had the chance but, but also taken them and made them look excellent <laughs> you know you can't take that away from her and I think there's more to come from her and she will continue to impress
0: yeah I described as a Rolls-Royce after the game she's just class on the ball and I really want to see her and Fleming actually get the opportunity to play together I think they will complement each other quite well um Jane talk us through the player of the match vote and how the league table looks after the weekend's uh, performance uh, performances results sorry
1: So the Chelsea Women's Supporters Group ran their play of the match poll after the game. Berger received 1.6% of the votes. G got 5.7% of the votes. Harder got 25.5% of the votes. And the runaway winner was Melanie Leopold with 67.2%. Then in terms of the league tables, Chelsea are back on top with 32 points. Manchester United are in second, also on 32 points, although Chelsea have got a game in hand. Manchester City are on third, are in third with twenty seven points. Arsenal are fourth with twenty three points. Following on for them are Everton, Reading, Tottenham, Birmingham, Brighton, Aston Villa, uh, West Ham, Aston Villa, and Bristol City.
0: Yeah, looking more and more like a free horse race now for the title, and also a first win this weekend for Bristol City. I think give them a little mention. Congratulations to them because they've had a tough year, and getting a win is always important for them. Um, That's it for part one. Join us after this short break when we'll be back with all the news from Kingsmeadow.
2: Real fans, real opinions. The only place for Chelsea
0: fans. FootballFanCast.com Real fans, real opinions. opinions.
2: FootballFanCast.com
0: Welcome back to episode 11 of Went to Mo Kings Meadow. Time now for our news roundup. Jane, what's been happening this week?
1: Um so first up, congratulations to Jean Sam Kerr, who both were voted into the AFC Women's Team of the Decade. And um, congratulations to Peniel Harder, who was voted in UEFA's Women's Team of the Decade. The Conti Cup final will take place on Sunday, the 14th of March, and is being played at. I can't actually pronounce where it is.
0: Vicarage Road.
1: <laughs> um, that's it. Which is Watford's FC ground. The game will be shown live on BT Sport. Kickoff time is to be confirmed. Emma Hayes has been linked as a potential candidate for the a- for AFC Wimbledon's men's team job, and Sophie Ingle achieved a hundred appearances with from the game on Sunday.
0: Yeah, I want to quickly touch on. Emma being linked with the AFC Wooden job. Obviously a momentous moment, really. I think she's the first coach to ever be linked sort of the way she has um, with a job. She did speak today saying that they could absolutely not afford her, which was great. Um, I think every Chelsea supporter knew she wasn't going anywhere. But um, some good quotes from her actually about the step um, between the two games. And I'll just quote her now. I just don't know why anyone would think women's football is a step down if coaching World Cup champions, winners, players who have represented their countries in the Olympics or Euros is a step down from anything. I think the football world needs to wake up and recognise that women, while the game is played by a different gender, is exactly the same sport and the qualities involved in having to manage that is exactly the same than it would be for a men's team. We're talking about human beings here. Uh, Louise, I come to you. I think Emma has got the potential to manage a men's team, but do you think it's something that's actually on her radar or not?
2: No, I'm being honest. Um, you know, it is a privilege to be offered that kind of position and shows just how high esteem that she's held in. You know, people respect her. You know, she's been at the club since 2012. And, you know, you have to take into account all that she's achieved, both failures and successes. And to be, you know... Put in the, you know, framework for being an option, you know, she's going to be flattered by that, but shows how much respect that, you know, is held for her, but she's not finished with Chelsea and, you know, Champions League is the ultimate of ultimate for us, you know, not just as fans, but for her as a manager. And, you know, I think once that time comes, then maybe, you she may think of going higher, but Chelsea is her home and she's always made it clear that she's not finished yet. And I think that, you know, there's more to come from Emma and she'll be staying with us for the foreseeable.
0: Yeah. Jane, Emma spoke about sort of the step down for women's sports. Um, you know, given the standard that we're at, you know, the women's league is growing ever you know, rapidly. Mm-hmm. I think we're one of the top teams in Europe, you know, is a struggling League One team a bit disrespectful to her? Do you think she could aim higher than that as a, as a manager in the men's game?
1: I think if she was to go to a men's team, she'd be able to get a lot higher team, either in the maybe even the Premier League or the Championship League. But I think for her to go into, say if she was to go to AFC Wimbledon, I think it would be a bit of a step down to where she is with the Chelsea team now.
0: Yeah, rather than the other way around, which is what some people think it is, I'd love to see her take over Chelsea' the men's team one day as well, because I think she's got all the attributes to be, you know, a great coach. It doesn't matter, you know, your gender, your race, your religion. If you're a football person, you get the game. You're gonna you're gonna do well. Um, Let's mention Sophie Ingle as well, because I feel a little bit bad that we're not really celebrated her achievement of 100 appearances like we have some of the other players. Um, Louise. What's your sort of thoughts of Sophie and sort of any memories, favourite memories of her? Obviously some great goals to talk about.
2: Yeah. I mean, Sophie is uh, another underrated player. She is phenomenal. And I love the fact that we, you know, have got some good relationships going on in midfield at the moment. You know, we, we've got the, you know, G and Leupold's, um set up at the moment and, also, you know, don't forget Maren, who's a very versatile player. Um, but Sophie is just class. You never have any doubt when she comes on the pitch what she can create. And she's reads the game really well. She always seems to be in the right places. She always pulls us out of some holes on occasions as well. You know, she'll be the first one back there to, you know, make sure that we don't make defensive mistakes, Um, but when needs be, and when you least expect it, she scores an absolute Mm -hmm. cracker. And you can't, my favorite is always gonna be Arsenal away because, you know, last season, because, you know, she, it was the best goal. And, you know, against a top rated team where we always go away. And I always have that churning stomach of what's going to come you know, but that day we I was nervous and then the goals started coming and, you know, Kerr scored and then Sophie, bang, it was absolute class. I think I almost had a lump in my throat. I was that yeah. emotional about it and I was so pleased for her. You know, 100 appearances are amazing and I hope she stays with us for the foreseeable because she's such a great player.
0: Yeah, Jane, a lot of players sort of racking up sort of 100, 150 appearances, um, so Sophie's an integral part of the team isn't she
1: yeah she's definitely a part of the team and it, like Louise said I hope she stays for as long as she can really she, the team would be like it would be so different without her like she scores like she doesn't score many goals but when she does they're phenomenal like, like Louise said uh, when we went to Arsenal away last season I hate like away games are like my one thing I hate just because we never have much of an away record but when we started getting the goals in and then Sophie just came out of nowhere and scored the, like the absolute screamer, I was like, it was amazing.
0: Yeah, I think the thing about, for me, for Sophie, you know, her versatility is, is the main thing. And, you know, you can have Sam Kerr, Peniel Harder, Frank Kirby, but you don't win competitions and titles without players like Sophie in your squad. And that's, you know, the biggest compliment I think I can give her um, without giving her the same plaudits that we did for the other players with some messages from fans but if you want to leave some comments about Sophie please do um, in the if you're watching on YouTube put them in the comments below if you're on the podcast send us a tweet tag Sophie as well she might listen as well fingers crossed um, let's move on to the transfer roundup then um, the window now closed as of yesterday um, no incomings apart from the new goalkeeper Uh, But two more players did leave the club this week. Uh, Macy Simmons has joined Brighton and Lexi Lloyd-Smith has joined Charlton. Uh, Jane, you mentioned the academy obviously not playing. Do you think these players are sort of leaving just to be able to play football now?
1: I think that could be one side of it. I don't know what would have happened if their leagues were still playing, but where their league's been postponed, um, and I think if they're getting the opportunities to go and play for teams like Brighton and Charlton, and where some of the other girls have gone to, I think that you've just got to take the opportunity. Like That opportunity may not come round again. So you've just got to take it whilst it's there.
0: Yeah, Louise, we saw uh, Maria forrest to leave this, this month. Um, some people were claiming that they thought we should have signed the defender before that. Um, were you surprised we didn't sign one after her departure?
2: Maybe a little bit. And I think that come to round to the next transfer window, that's definitely something we need to look at, you know, defensively, you know, Millie is solid. You you know, we've got Magda, you know, our our team captain who's phenomenal, but I, I think that that is where we need to, you know, be looking really um, to strengthen the squad so that we've also got depth on the bench you know, to to cover in case of, you know, God forbid, but injury or, you know, just to be able to rest the players as well. You know, I always had a, you know, liked Maria and I thought she was a good player, but, you know, her injuries kept her out and, you know, she did come back and score a cracker after being injured. But I feel, you know, she she wasn't getting the pitch time and you can understand that she wants to play top level football and and get the minutes. And, you know, I wish her all the best at United and, you know, I hope she does well, as long as it's not against us. <laughs> but You know, I I feel like yeah, moving on, we do need to find, you know, some defensive players, you know, maybe one or two just to to strengthen us there. We've got so many, you know, forward players, um, you know, and now loopholes in the middle as well as, you know, Marin and Sophie. So, um, yeah, we definitely need to look at that, you know, that defence and 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 look at who maybe we could bring in there.
0: Yeah, I believe there are some quotes from coming out tonight about using academy players going forward and not perhaps signing players. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do do uh, in the summer because, you know... I think that's an area, like you say, when we sort of doing our team predictions, when you look at Brighton and Ericsson, there's not really anyone past that where you can rest them apart from Sophie and then you sort of lose her influence in midfield as well. So, you know, yeah, definitely going to be interesting. Uh, As promised the loan report, uh, both Jamie Lee Napier and Emily Murphy played the full 90 minutes for Birmingham in their two 0 defeat against Manchester United. Um, Unfortunately, neither could score a goal or two to draw against them or even beat them. Um, We'll give you updates on, on how they're doing as and when Birmingham play games. Um, that's all for part two. But before we go to the break, we've got our parish notices, of course. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can find us by searching Went to Kings Meadow. Uh, we publish three or four videos a week based on this podcast. So if you want to see our faces as well as our voices, YouTube is the place to go. Uh, again, apologies in advance for that. Um, consider this an invitation to join our Discord channel. Uh, Discord is the perfect place for match day discussions and to be involved in the Chelsea FC women's community. Uh, make sure you download the Discord app, search for Wentmore King's Meadow and hit join. Um, we look forward to seeing you there. Uh, we'll leave a link as well in the description. Just click on it. You can join there. Uh, I've got my iPhone back this week. So I'll be re-downloading Discord and chatting definitely tomorrow for the game. Uh, and a reminder: if you follow both the men's and the women's team, check out the main Chelsea fancast show. They also have a Patreon account, which you can find at www.patreon.com forward slash FanCast. If you can and would like to support both the shows financially, you can do so here. Uh, there's no obligation to. We love you either way just for listening. Uh, and also we want as many people talking about and listening to shows about the women's team. So make sure you check out and listen to London is Blue, who featured the women's team in special episodes. Um, they also did a review of the Tottenham game this week. Uh, the team at 195 and the only other podcast that talks exclusively about the Chelsea women's team that we know about, France Fight Club. If there's someone that you think should be added to this list, then please let me know. We'll add them in and we can help spread the word. And don't forget to check out the Chelsea Women supporters group on Facebook and Twitter. Um, They just passed, I think it was 5,000 followers, wasn't it, Jane, this week? Yeah. Yeah, but they're going for six pretty soon, I think. They got quite a lot Um, <laughs> the, that night when they tweeted it. Um, so the more supporters involved there the better for everyone Uh, so that's all for part 2, join us after the break where we'll be previewing the next upcoming games against West Ham and Brighton
2: Real Fans Real Opinions
0: For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Chelsea videos and podcasts, download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play. Welcome back to Went to Mo Kings Meadow. Time now to look ahead to our next fixtures, starting with the Conte Cup semi-final clash with West Ham tomorrow night. Uh, Jane, give us the form guide ahead of this one.
1: West Ham have lost three and won two of their past five fixtures in all competitions. Starting from the most recent, they lost 4-0 to Manchester City, won 3-0 against Durham, lost 1-0 to Tottenham, won 4-0 against Bristol and lost 3-2 against us. To reach this stage of the competition, West Ham have come through Group D as unbeaten winners, beating Brighton on penalties, Reading 3-0 and Charlton 4-0. They beat Durham 3-0 in their quarterfinal game.
0: It feels like a lifetime ago that we beat them 3-2, but it's their, one of their last five games. It's crazy that sort of break that everyone had. Um, West Ham under the management of Harder now took over from Matt Beard. Um, so in that 3-2 game, that was obviously under temporary management, but they put us under real pressure for large parts. Lots of joy attacking our win backs. Uh, under Harder, they should look to continue to be positive than on the front foot. Um, Jane, this is going to be a difficult semi-final game, isn't it?
1: I think it will be a tough game, but then I don't think it will be. They've took, they've put a lot of their players on loans to other teams, which I'm quite shocked at. Like They've lost the likes of Alicia Lehman and one of their other main players. So I was quite shocked by that. So then I was thinking maybe it won't be as difficult as I thought it would be.
0: Finances and West Ham United don't really go well. Um, The Sullivan and the gold book of finances isn't a great one, I don't think. Um, So West Ham, they've also lost Rachel Daly, whose loan spell ended, but they do have some good quality, including Emily van Egmont, who's the Hammers' top scorer in this competition. Uh, Louise, this is obviously an amazing opportunity for Chelsea to win a trophy again, but also for West Ham, they'll want it just as much as we will, won't they?
2: Yeah, I think so. You know, you can never count the passion out with West Ham. You know, uh, you know, Gilly is still a favourite of mine. You know, she will always be a Chelsea legend, but she's really passionate about wherever she plays and that shows and they will want it. And They will bring it to us, I have no doubt. Whether they can keep it up for the entire game is another thing. But I'm excited to see what we can bring to the table. I think this was the last, you know, cup that we as fans were there for. And it was amazing because we won it for the first time and so this means quite a lot, I think, not just to the fans, but to the players, because this was the last time we were all together when we won the Continental Cup, so this semi-final for me is, I'm i am nervous but excited because I really want to win this again, just to show that it wasn't a fluke, um, and so I feel that Initially, maybe for the first 25 minutes, the first half, they might really push. Um, but they've lost a lot of players, like you said. And, you know, especially it was a little bit of a surprise for Layman to, you know, go out to Everton, which I didn't see coming. Um, and so they've lost that, you know, pace as well that they had with her. Um but they've got some good players that are still left and, you know, never say never with them because they can pull things out of the bag when you least expect it. So Chelsea need to be prepared for that. And, um, yeah, here's hoping. But I'm hoping it's going to be a, a game of showing exactly what we've got and uh, highlighting, you know, some of the class on the pitch.
0: Absolutely. Jane, um sort of the need for rotation as the games are sort of continue coming at a fast pace, but also important that we play a strong team, isn't
1: it? Yeah, I think obviously it's good to rotate the players just because where we have got such a big squad and just to give everyone the chance to play, but then we do need to put out our strongest team in a game in a semi-final and in a game against West Ham, we need our strongest team possible to get the win.
0: Yeah, Louise, quickly I just want to get your thoughts on Sam Kerr, although she scored obviously in the game against Tottenham um, she still missed a number of opportunities recently and she's Sort of hit and miss in terms of her form. Would you play her through the sticky patch or do you say take a break and let Beth sort of have a go up front?
2: It's really, this is a really hard question because I'm particularly fond of Beth as a player and how much she's developed and everything that she gave to us last season. You know, she is one of the most passionate players about Chelsea, you know, and you know, we love her just for that. But Sam, if you if you look at the games, it's not just about goals. She is intelligent. She reads the game like not many other players. Fran's one of the only other players that I, I really see that reads the game as well as her. Um, and that's why they work so well together. I think sometimes that Sam overthinks it instead of just you know playing like she love, you know because she loves it and it's natural you know and when she doesn't think about it so much she can it just comes together uh, but if you take all the assists and the great build-up play that she's done you can see that she's more than just goals and um, you know the the kind of abuse she got right at the start I think was unfounded and t- completely unfair you know Every player will have the time. And if you look, she's begun to be more and more consistent. So I think there's so much more to come from her. I really hope that she actually extends her contract and stays with us because, you know, we were lucky to sign a, a player of such calibre, but that is, uh, you know, a reflection on the club and the players themselves. You know, she's settled doing so well and, you know, they're like a big family and that's why players stay, you know.
0: Yeah, um, so let me put a team out there and then I'll let you two sort of pick it apart if you if you want to. Um, I'll go 4-2-3-1, uh, Berger in goal, Mielder, Bright, Eriksson, Anderson in defence, Liverpool's an England midfield with Kirby Harder and Brighton supporting Sam Kerr up front. Uh, Jane, what's your thoughts on that and what would you swap out or swap in?
1: Um, this week, I'll, I'm not going to swap anyone. I think that is a pretty strong uh, line-up and I'm happy with who you've chosen. I think it'd be good to see Kirby, Harder, Wright and and Kerr all in the attacking and to put Leopold and Ingle together as well just see how they play play together.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's no Beth but if you wait for the Brighton preview um, there's a reason for that. Um, Louise, what's your thoughts on that team and would you change anyone from that?
2: Um, no, in in fact, I think that's a, a good thing. I'd like to see the Sophie and Loophole link up as well. I want to see how well they communicate and how you know well they link up there. But my main sort of thing that I've missed, and I feel that perhaps we've needed the last few games, even though eventually we've come off, you know, full nil up, is a bit of Erin Cuthbert. I'm not just saying that because obviously I I do have a good a big soft spot for her. It's it's mainly because she's so fast and she gets everywhere and causes lots of problems, as we saw against City previously. You know, she gave Lucy Bronze no end of problems. You know, on, on, on that wing, and um, I just feel like if we have Erin on, that she will create space and and you know bring us up and keep us mainly in the half we want to be in to score goals. So I'd like to see her. Hopefully she's back from, you know, uh, her knock and, and back on that pitch. And I think we'll see the difference.
0: Yeah. I've no Erin, I wasn't too sure on Erin's fitness. That's why I left her out of this one, saved her for for Brighton. Obviously it's hard to, you've got a game Wednesday then you've got a game Sunday. You need sort of almost two teams that we're lucky to have that really. Um, Let's get our predictions out then. I thought this was going to be close, but speaking to you you two, I'm feeling a lot more confident, actually. I'm going to go for a repeat 4-0. Keep the 4-0s coming. Jane, what's your prediction?
1: I'm going to go 2-1. Louise, yours? To us. I'm
2: going to go 3-1. I think West Ham might score at the beginning and then we will... um, just come back on fire we like to come from behind and I think that it's it's it'll be tight but not that tight
0: yeah I really should write these predictions down because when we come to do the review i no idea what I said the score was going to be it was probably wrong but I think you was close to the Tottenham game Jane I'm sure you said 5-0 but you'd have to listen back
1: I think my dad was listening to one of them today and he said, oh, you've got the score spot on for that game. <laughs> but I can't remember which one he was listening to.
0: Right, that's a new job for you then. Write down the predictions. Okay. Yeah, Let's move on then to Sunday's WSL clash with Brighton and Hove Albion. Uh, Jane, give us the form guide for Brighton headed into this game.
1: So Brighton currently sit ninth in the WSL. They've played 13 won 2 drawn three and lost eight. They've scored eight goals and conceded 29. In their last five games, Brighton has lost four and drawn one. Started most recently, they lost 3-0 to Bristol City, lost 7-1 to Manchester City, drew 0-0 with Birmingham, lost 3-1 to Reading and lost 1-0 to Chelsea.
0: Now, we know Brighton are a tricky team to play. They're sort of our kryptonite almost. Um, They press and harry us. They don't like to give us time. We struggle, especially away to them. Um, but however, Brighton struggled to score goals. They scored eight in 13 games, which is you know really bad. Um, our away game was obviously a tight 1-0 win in bad conditions, it must be said. But at King's Meadow, do you think this game should be a bit more straightforward, Jane?
1: Um, I'm hoping it's going to be more straightforward. Both of our, our away game against them this season and our away game last season was both tough. We came back to get the draw last season and obviously just get the one goal this season. So I'm hoping it's going to be straightforward, but then I don't think it is going to. Uh,
0: Louise, I don't know if you saw any of the highlights between Brighton and Bristol City, um, but they really struggled to cope with Ebony Salmon's pace and power. Um, So this is why it's the perfect opportunity for Beth to come back into the team.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that game is... It, Beth should start um, and I, I think she should pay the full game I think she will maybe pull some surprises out of the bag there too but um, Brighton it's, it's hard to say with Brighton, yes we have had tight games previously with them um, and like I say I, I, I feel that it will be an easier game they haven't been playing as well um but you've got to shout out to bristol at the minute ebony salmon is a real up-and-coming player you know i think she's quite underrated and i think she's got a long way um you know come a long way should i say um and she's she's really starting to show the potential that she's got and it wouldn't surprise me if she's snapped up by another club later on because um I think she's got such great potential, but she is dangerous because she's fast and she also will create space um, and and get in when you least expect it. So, you know, I think these are going to be some great games coming up. Um, I think, um, but it also opportunity for Beth to shine. I think to show why she was so you know pivotal in the previous season, and and let her find her feet again this season, um, and maybe get some more you know start rather than being on the bench.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um Jane, would you expect Brighton just to come to Kings Meadow and just sit on their goal line not on their goal line but on the edge of their box to just try and be compact and stop us from scoring rather than trying to attack us?
1: Um I don't think they will. I think they will try and get a goal and try and attack. I can't think of the player. They have got a player that's been playing really Um, Well, recently, and I think they are going to try and get an opportunity to score. So I don't think they're just going to sit in defence the whole time.
0: And Louise, after the weekend, after this game, we face Arsenal, sort of a bigger game for us. Would you expect to see some of the bigger players rested? You know, the likes of Kirby.
2: Um, Yeah, I mean, we we they haven't been playing as well, Arsenal. But when it comes to a London derby, expect the unexpected. So they may not have played so great up to now, but when it comes to Chelsea, you know, Chelsea are hungry. When it comes to playing Arsenal, and Arsenal don't want to lose against us. So that's going to be a tough game, I think. It's probably going to be one of the hardest we've had so far. And I I think it's one that always makes me nervous, Um, um, but it all it'll be an exciting game. It's one I look forward to, but at the same time, you know, with trepidation. But I think that, um, I think we can see some lovely link-ups and some great goals, but we've got to be midfield and defensively tight, um, to make sure that there's no unexpected um, surprises from the likes of, you know, Mead and Meadema. And, um, you know, they are one to pull out, out of the bag right at the last minute. Um, which they've done to us many a time before. So yes, it's one I'm looking forward to probably the one I'm looking forward to the most in the next few weeks.
0: Yeah. That was a, the, the one All was the game sort of before we started uh, recording James was so sort of almost gone full circle when we get to that game. Um, let me put out a team now, then you can chop and change that if, as you like. I've gone four, two, three, one again, Berger stays in goal. Blundell, Ingle, Ericsson, Charles in defence, Leopold's and G in midfield, and Fleming, Harder and Cuthbert behind England in attack. Um, Charles did great at left-back against Aston Villa, actually, um, so I thought she could go there again, and Fleming come on against Tottenham on the right wing um, and did well. Um, Jane, your thoughts, any changes there?
1: Um, I'd keep them all the same. Obviously, hopefully, Aaron will be back fit Emma did say that she should be back ready for Wednesday. So hopefully she will be back ready, like game ready for Sunday. And to rest like Millie and and Maren, sorry, just in preparation for the game against Arsenal.
0: Uh, Louise, what would you make of that team?
2: I agree with what
1: Jane's saying.
2: I think that we should, you know, rest, um, you know, some of our normal, you know, First choice players. Um, that doesn't mean that we don't need to field a, a good team because that would be a mistake. But I feel that, like I say, Arsenal is an important game mainly for goals and to walk away with three points. And so I, I think that yeah, we are better off fielding a good team, but and, and giving minutes to uh, you know some of our better players as substitutions in preparation for for Arsenal.
0: Yeah, let's get some predictions then. I think, although they're not going to, I don't think they're going to offer too much going forward, so I don't see us conceding, but I think they're going to be difficult to break down. I'm going to go for 2-0. Jane, how about you?
1: Um, I'm going to go for 2-1. I just think they might just be able to get that one goal.
0: Louise, what's your prediction for this
2: one? I agree
1: with Jane.
2: I'm going to go with 2-1. They do have a habit of sneaking one in. (laughs) So, yeah, I think it's going to be 2-1.
0: Yeah, looking forward to this
1: one.
2: Oh, let. Me... Uh,
0: so that's all for part three. Join us after the break for your emails. Welcome back to the fourth and final part of episode eleven of Went to Mo Kings Meadow. Time for your emails now. Uh, Jane, who's been in touch this week?
1: Um, Lee's been in touch this week. He said, "Hi guys, I really enjoy your show. So thanks for all your hard work putting your hard work in putting it together." So I hope you take these points as friendly offerings on ways to improve things and not criticism from a random person on the internet. A couple of things I've noticed in the last show and previous show. Please make sure the pronunciation of the players' names are right, especially our own girls. E.g. Panil is Panilla, not Panil, And our new goalie's name is Zakira. Also, if you have a letter or statement to read out, make sure you've read it through in preparation and worked out any words you don't know. Don't be afraid to stop and take a moment to look something up. Just make a note of the timestamp and afterwards, cut it out. I know it's more work, but it will help make the show more polished. Keep up the great work. Many thanks, Lee. Uh,
0: Thanks, Lee. Um, Some good points on improvement. I'm gonna say that pronunciation is gonna be a problem on this show forever, as long as Jane's on it, for sure. Um, <laughs> we'll try better with the Chelsea players, for sure. Penilla not Peniel. Is that right? Yeah, that's
1: right.
0: They're learning already. Just call them by their surnames. I think that's easier. Uh, if you <laughs> want to be like Lee and get in touch, um, if you want to say something about the game, if you want to say something about the show. If you just want to say something about Chelsea women, Emma Hayes, any player you like, you know, you can do that. Get in touch. At, went to Mo Kings, meadow at gmail.com. Uh, sort of get them in by Tuesday afternoon-ish at the latest. We check our emails before we start. And we'll read them out on the show. Um, and even if they critique our pronunciations of Penilla Harder, we'll still read it out because we're like that. Um that's all we've got time for this week. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk about the West Ham and Brighton games, plus look ahead to that big clash against Arsenal. Uh, Jane, a pleasure talking to you again about this wonderful football team. Um, look forward to you next week.
1: Yep, yeah, it's been great to talk about the team games and the upcoming games this week.
0: Uh, and Louise, great to have you on. Thanks for giving up your time to join us. I know you're off to work now. Do you want to tell the listeners your job? Because I think it's important that this period of life... Um, what you do
2: Um, well I'm in another form of blue in my day to day job so I'm off for a night shift as a nurse um, on the ward Um, so yeah I'll be battling my pitch as they say Um, but I wish everyone a great week and and make sure you come back and tune in and just I've got to do a massive shout out to the Chelsea Women's Supporters Group I love you all can't wait till we're back together All right, take care guys
0: yeah, thanks for coming on and thanks for your hard work as a nurse as well. It's very important um, that we big up our key workers, especially those on the front line. Um, you can follow us all on Twitter. Yeah, you can follow us all on Twitter at Mokings Meadow, me at Dean Mears, Jane at Jane Chapel X, Louise at Lou Bradshaw 1979. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram at Went to Mokings Meadow. Uh, don't forget to contact the show via email. That address is went to mokingsmeadow at gmail.com. Uh, That's all. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, Chelsea fans, from Kings Meadow to Wembley, keep that blue flag flying high.
1: Podcasts, die wir lieben.
0: Ich bin Namri Dagyab vom Achilles Running Podcast. Und hattest du dir fürs neue Jahr vorgenommen, mehr Sport zu machen, Laufen gehen und so, aber jetzt fehlt dir so ein bisschen die Motivation? Ja, dann hilft dir vielleicht der Achilles Running Podcast, deinen inneren Schweinehund zu vertreiben, wo wir jeden Freitag mit unseren Gästinnen über Sport, Gesundheit und Ernährung sprechen. Wir hatten auch schon zum Beispiel mal Luisa Dellert bei uns da oder erst vor kurzem den Paralympics-Champion Matthias Meester. Also ich schlage vor, ähm, du ziehst dir Sportklamotten an, suchst dir eine Folge vom Achilles Running Podcast aus und wirst jetzt aktiv. Oder einfach auf dem Sofa liegen bleiben. Finde ich auch okay. Hauptsache Podcast.